take your Bible, please, and turn to John chapter 1 and John chapter 3. Those are the places that I'll be reading momentarily. <coughs> in, uh, in these times, in these times, I think I can almost hear the voice of the Savior say, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If I go and prepare, <clears throat> if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, he said, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, he said, you know, and the way you know. <clears throat> Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, in these times... Those words ought to placate our insecurities in the same way that they did for the disciples when he first gave them. And the reason being, one of these days, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the last verse in that chapter says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. And that is our hope. Oh, we do live in troublesome times, but we have a hope. Lord's coming one of these days, and whether we, uh, whether we graduate through death or whether we graduate by the rapture, we have a home in heaven. And we do so because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with all. My cup runneth over. Surely, I repeat that. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, the Bible says a lot about that forever factor. In fact, I, I'll not do it this morning, but I have a message that I've preached. Might have done it here sometime in years past. Build all of that word right at the end of Psalm 23 that I call, what's all the excitement about forever? 
And there ought to be excitement about forever. Temporal things, obviously, well, they come and then they go. Some pretty fast. But that forever factor is a big deal. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about three men who came to Christ. In fact, there are people who brought them to Christ. Brother Fugit and I sat down last night for a little while just talking about the good things of God. And we got a good, lot of good things to talk about. And in any conversation like that, uh, he will share with me uh, sometimes reports, well, here's somebody in our city or maybe somebody who moved here, uh, like the young people who came here for the conference got saved. We sit and rejoice about that. I'll have stories to tell him about things that are happening in my life and people that I have the privilege to lead to the Savior. I mean, all the way along, we get stirred up about the good things. We get stirred up about what the Lord says to us in these times. We get stirred up about the anticipation for His coming. We get stirred up about the forever factor and all the great provisions that Psalm 23 tells us the Lord's made for us. We get excited about that and we build and build and build all the time around the message and the hope and the burden that we carry to see other people come to the Savior. Now, in John chapter 1, verse uh, 40, 41, and a part of 42, let's look at it. John chapter 1, verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ. And he, that is Andrew, brought him, Simon Peter, to Jesus. Now, what we have in that little uh, two and a half verses is a case where one family member went after another family member and brought them to the Savior. Uh, I'll not read the, the next paragraph, but if you start in verse 43 and down through the end of the chapter, there's a story about a man named Philip who was saved, and he went and found his friend Nathaniel and brought him to the Savior. Very similar content, very similar story to Andrew getting his brother. Uh, Philip went out, found his friend Nathaniel, and brought him to the Savior. Now, most of us have family, and a lot of us have family who are not yet saved. And uh, we learned some things from Andrew. I'll look at that in a minute. Uh, most of us, surely all of us have friends, like Philip had a friend. Surely we all have a Nathaniel, somebody we would call a friend. And uh, what we learn from Philip is that we, like him, can go get our Nathaniels and bring them to the Savior. Now, let's, let's look over to John chapter 3, just a page over probably in your Bible. And here, here's another account. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same, that is, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, let me pause in the reading. You say a birth of water. Yes, note the question that Nicodemus asked. How, 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 how can a man be born? Can he, does, he, does he go back into his mother's womb? Well, see, Nicodemus knows the pre-birth, prenatal state that, that, uh, that baby is in, encompassed, enclosed in water, in, in a water sack. He knows that. And so Jesus is saying, and he goes on to explain it in verse 6 when he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That water births, the water breaks before the birth. <coughs> and he said, unless you've been born physically, and goes on in verse 6 to say, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So marvel not, Jesus said, that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Now, Let's back up and, and uh, visit with Andrew for a minute. Uh, Andrew, listening to John the Baptist, got introduced to the Savior. And uh, you know the first thing that he got excited about? He, he wanted the rest of his family to get it. Now, it, it always, it always uh, to me, I mean, it's a grand indicator when you lead somebody to Christ and, and the first thing out of their mouth is, could I have one of those gospel tracts? I want to give them to my mother. I want to give it to my grandfather. I want to give it to my kids. Uh, the first thing uh, out, out of the mouth, uh, uh, could, is it possible that, that uh, you could come and talk to my uncle, my aunt, or, or whatever? When, when, when somebody gets saved, the Andrew reaction <laughs> is, man, I've got a brother <laughs> And, and that dude, he needs to be saved. Now, so what, what does he do? Uh, look at verse 41. Let's just take it a word at a time. He, that's Andrew. Folks, listen, everybody who gets saved, there's going to be an Andrew somewhere. You say, oh, I, 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 I was just walking along the street and picked up a gospel track. Yeah, there was an Andrew who printed the track. There was an Andrew who dropped the track. There was an Andrew who paid for the track. Somebody was involved in getting the message to the person who needed it. And every, I mean, if you've got family members, the only way that they're going to come to Christ is if somebody will be an Andrew. It takes a person to reach a person. And notice what he did. It says he first, he didn't wait 10 months, 10 years. I mean, he put getting his brother to the Savior on the fast track. He, he made it a priority. And he, he just, he, he first, I mean, the first thing he wanted to do was go find his brother. And so getting that focus, that priority. Uh, uh, when I was pastor, as I was for a long, long time, uh, somebody, somebody gets saved, I, either I led them to Christ, maybe somebody else led them to Christ, I'd, I'd meet with them, maybe they came forward on Sunday, and I would say to them, you lived here in our city, you lived here in our county for a long time, and uh, if whatever they told me, I would say, well, do you have family here? 
And often they would say, oh, yes, we, we have family here. And I would say, well, are they all saved? Well, no, no, maybe none of them are saved. A lot of them are not, not saved. So I would say to them, uh, why don't this week, why don't you and I pick a time when we can go, you take me to meet your in-laws, take me to meet your parents, take me to meet your family. You want to meet my family? I'd love to, you, you would like for them to hear what you just heard, wouldn't you? And you can see their eyes light up. And time after time after time, one family member, two family members, sometimes five or six or seven other families over a period of weeks would get saved simply because a new convert who didn't know a whole lot about uh, leading other people to Christ, but they would go along. I would just say to them, you, you, not, you get me in the door, and once we get inside the door, I, I'll, try to, I'll try to take it from there. And we had tremendous, tremendous good things happening with that just Putting priority, you, I mean, you say, that person just got saved Saturday. They just got saved Sunday. I know, don't let them have time to backslide. While, while they got the excitement, I mean, hopefully it'll never die. But while they're excited, let's go get the Simons in their family. And it says, he first findeth. You know, sometimes, sometimes you got to go digging for it. In fact, this, this word findeth, it's the word eureka. It appears, if you look here right in those verses, that, that word find is there four different times, and every time it's the word eureka. And let me, let me tell you how we use that word eureka. We, we don't do it like this. Yeah, yep, eureka. Yep, yep, eureka, that's for sure. No, no, when we use that word, it's like, Wow! Eureka, Eureka, Eureka. We get stirred up. We don't use that word unless we're all fired up. And the Bible says that Andrew was fired up and he went looking for his brother. I mean, I, I don't have any doubts. He went to McDonald's, he went to Burger King. Well, probably not then. In those, it was probably a bagel shop though. He went all over town. Anybody seen my brother? Has my brother been in here this morning? He first findeth his own brother Simon, and then he saith unto him. He opened his mouth. You're not going to get people saved just because you live a good Christian life. Now, by the way, if you don't live a good Christian life, you're sure not going to get anybody saved. You can foul things up and confuse folks in a hurry by living an ungodly life. But in order for people to know what they need to know in order to get saved, we've got to open up and tell them. You, you, I mean, you, I, 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 can, I can turn my profile in any direction, and, and you still don't know just by looking at me how to get saved. Andrew said to his brother, we have found the Christ, that Messiah that every Jew had looked for for hundreds of years. He said, we found him. And he told him what he needed. And, and then that verse 42 says, and he brought him to Jesus. I, I, I don't have any doubt. Probably sitting right here looking at me eyeball to eyeball right now. There's probably a few, a few folks, maybe a bunch of folks, who are saying, oh, look, I, I, know, I know Brother Fugit does it. I know the staff does it. I know a lot of folks at Clay's Mill does it. But, but I, I just don't think I'm quite there being a soul winner yet. i tell you what you can do. You can do what verse 42 says. You can be a bringer. 
and he brought him to Jesus. You may not think you're a soul winner yet, but I tell you what, if you'll be a bringer, just bring folks. Bring them, bring them, bring them. Bring them to the youth conference. Bring them to Sunday night. Bring them to Wednesday night. Bring them, bring them to whatever's going on. Bring them to that Friday Bible study. Bring them to that ladies' event I saw announced in the, in the bulletin. Bring, bring them, bring them, bring them. And if you'll just bring them, it very well could be that somebody else will help you in what else needs to be done. Now, <coughs> we get down. I mean, this, this is family. Andrew going after Simon. That's family going after family. Whenever we get to, to Philip and Nathaniel in those next verses, it's pretty much the same thing all over again, except it's a friend going after a friend. You know, sometimes Betty and I will, uh, in leisure time, I've got a recliner, she's got a recliner, a little table sets between us there. And literally, sometimes we'll sit there and just rejoice together about the goodness of God and the blessings of God. And sometimes in those conversations, <clears throat> we'll have the kind of conversation, maybe may, a person will come up in the conversation, and I will say, I'm telling you, that, that, that guy has been a true friend. That person has been a real, real friend. I hope you've got some people in your life like that, uh, good, close, personal friends. At the same time, you've probably got friends that are kind of on the fringe. You may not know them real well, but yet you know them well enough that every time you see them, you're delighted to see them. You, you warm up because that they're there. Uh, you know, I go to McDonald's almost every morning to get breakfast. Aren't you impressed? <laughs> <coughs> now, I, listen, I, I, have, I have a long list of friends out of my McDonald's venue. I do. There are other restaurants in town where Betty and I have made friends, and I mean real friends. Not only the people that work there, but other people that we've encountered, people that we've met there, uh, and, and they may not be our closest friends, but they are friends, and every time we see them, I mean, it's just like we, we just light things up. And folks, we've got... We've got a wide circle of friends. In fact, as you go out about, if you'll just be friendly, you'll find that there are other people who will be friends to you. And everywhere we go, you and I can be a Philip going after Nathaniel. Just going after Nathaniel. Now, let's look at the third one. We get, we get over to, uh, to chapter 3, and we got an unusual situation here because Nicodemus... I mean, Nicodemus, he is, uh, how shall I put it? He, well, he's kind of a big shot in town. The Bible says right there in the first verse, he is a ruler of the Jews. That probably means he's a member of that famous Sanhedrin court. That's probably what that means. And uh, that, was, that would have been the highest ruling body in the country. Now, uh, that probably also means that Nicodemus was pretty well to do. Now, there's a lot of things that people stumble over. Sometimes they stumble over their position. Sometimes they stumble over, stumble over their possessions. They, they can stumble over all kinds of things. And, and Nicodemus is in a stumbling mood. I mean, he, he's in that mode right now. And the reason I know that is because he came sneaking in by night. 
he had already, already heard enough about Jesus. He knew he needed to talk to him. But he's got friends, and he's not sure how they'll feel about it, and he's kind of wondering if his position's going to be impacted. And already there's a lot of stuff stirring, and people saying, you're not going over there to, to that, are you? I mean, you're not going to be going to that church. <laughs> well, that, that would have been now, I guess. But Nicodemus came, comes kind of in under the cloak of darkness. Uh, he, uh, you got to give him credit. He may just be a little bit cowardly, but he's not going to be deterred. He, he's, not, he's not backing up. I mean, he's aware of the criticism he may get, but he wants enough to know that he's willing to come looking to Jesus and find him, and he gets in there. Now, here, here's a guy. He's got a lot going for him. He's got, he's got all kinds of things. I mean, he is a man of achievement. He's come a long way in life, but he knows down deep inside there's something missing. There's something he does not have. And folks, I, I stand here tonight, uh, this morning, not only to testify out of my own experience, but out of the experience of so many other people that I know. And I can tell you, uh, the booze is not going to do it. The dope is not going to do it. I've heard too many people, too many people. I grew up a pretty sheltered life. My daddy, from long before he even got right with God, he, he was hard against liquor and all kinds of other junk like that, and he protected his family from that. And I thank God for him that he did. But I've had up people around me all of my adult life who, who were shackled with that stuff, and they, they've told me, even some of them, while they were still in bondage, they would say, I, I, I'm doing it, but it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't take care of what I need. And the emptiness, the booze, the dope, the, the cheating, the stealing, the, 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 the immorality, the, the running amok, all of that, it does not, it only creates an emptiness. Doesn't fulfill. <clears throat> and there's many a man like Nicodemus, with all kinds of things to his credit, but he doesn't have what he needs. And so he comes to talk to Jesus about it. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. You come to him sincerely, and you're going to find that whatever your questions are, he's got the answer. You're going to find that whatever burdens you have, he knows how to help you carry those burdens. You're, you're going to find that what you need for the moment and way beyond the moment is going to be right there. And nobody else can do that. I can't do that for you. Brother Fugit can't do it for you. Clay's Mill can't do it for you. Listen, we're, we're, we're only the messenger boys. We're, we're only the mouthpiece to communicate what the Lord has given us in his book. And so we come excitedly declaring, 1 Corinthians 15 says, I declare unto you that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Listen, that, that is the meat of the gospel right there. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. What did he do that for? He did that to pay our sin debt and to make it possible for us to be, what? Born again. That spiritual birth that Jesus uh, talked about when he introduced uh, Nicodemus. Uh, was introducing to Nicodemus. You say, well, what is that new birth about? Well, the Bible's got a number of terms, all of which relate to the same thing. 
This new birth term just means that God gives you a place in his family. He births you into his family. It's not something you join. It's not something you pay dues to get in on. But whenever you surrender yourself in faith to the Savior, you say, I do believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose from the grave. I believe he's the Savior. I want him to forgive me. I want to be one of his children. I want to go to heaven when I die, and I'm going to trust Jesus. When you do that, the Lord God himself births you into his family. Now, the Bible uses another term. We were singing about it a little while ago, the word saved. The word saved, same thing as born again. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, the nuance of meaning is somebody is saved, they, they're rescued. Rescued. We sing, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. The fact is every man, woman, boy, and girl, every one of us, when we are born, we're born sinners. In fact, long before we ever sin, we're already sinners. That is the reason we sin is because it is our nature. We're sinners by, by nature. It's like an apple tree is an apple tree before it ever has an apple on it. From the time it's that high, it's an apple tree. And little cute darlings in our, in our hands, they're sinners. And ultimately, they're going to lie. They're going to do this, that, and the other. They're sinners. And because we are sinners, we need a Savior. And when Jesus paid the price for us on the cross and in his resurrection, what he did, he made arrangements to rescue us from that penalty, to save us. Just like somebody driving their car off into the lake, somebody jumps in and, and pulls them out. They're unconscious. They pull them out. What do they do? They rescue them. We had a story in our papers in Murfreesboro just a week ago. Two sheriffs, I think it was a dep two, two deputies, I think, two, two policemen. Um, one of them got an award uh, for hero heroism because he pulled somebody out of a burning car. Somebody that was unconscious, risked his own life to uh, pull somebody out of a burning car. What did he do? Well, he saved their life. And so when Jesus tells Nicodemus he needs to be born again, he's offering him salvation. You say, what all does that mean? Well, the Bible uses the term forgiven. All of us with a sin record, what happens? Listen, when, when we come to Christ, he gives us a full pardon. I get mail every day and a stack of it from prisons all over America where we feed material, sword, and other things into the prisons, several hundred prisons across the land. <coughs> and I'm telling you, there's, there's not a one of those guys that if, if, uh, if the governor or the president said, uh, I'm going to issue you a pardon, there's not a one of them but wouldn't be excited because they're getting a pardon. And whenever you and I realize we're sinners, we're under the penalty of sin, and that penalty ultimately would take us down into a literal burning, fiery pit of hell, and God gives us forgiveness, full pardon, wow, wow. Bible says we're ransomed. Somebody paid a price. Jesus paid that price. I love to sing, Jesus paid it all. All to him, oh, sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. When he ransomed us by his death, he paid our price. Uh, similar, similar word, the word redeemed. Again, just a word the Lord uses about what he gives us when we come to him. He redeems us. He pays a price, buys us. We're out in the market, the devil bidding for our soul. He buys us and takes us off the market. 
so that the devil never has another opportunity to get us. That word redeem is a powerful word. The Bible goes on to say that when, he's, when we're saved, we're sealed unto the day of redemption. It's back to Psalm 23, that forever factor. You say, well, I got saved on Sunday, but, but Tuesday I messed up just a little bit. I did something I shouldn't have done. You're still saved. Say, so why? Because if you got what the Lord offers on Sunday, he sealed you until the day of redemption. There's another word in the Bible that's used, the word preserved in Christ. That simply means what it says. When uh, I was growing up down in uh, the western part of the state, down those river bottoms near the Mississippi and the Ohio rivers, um, we lived on a farm. Mom canned stuff. Uh, later got to freezing stuff. We'd do that uh, in the summertime. And come January and February, she'd go open up jars of green beans and blackberries and all kinds of things. Uh, you, you say, well, how did you have those green? Oh, she got put them in the, a state where they're preserved. They, they didn't rot. It, it didn't ruin. It was preserved so we could eat it in February. And the Lord promises when we come to him, he, he births us in, he saves us, he forgives us, he redeems us. All, I mean, there's a bunch of other Bible terms. All of it telling us what we get when we come to Christ. You know, Brother Fugit was teaching that lesson this morning in Sunday school on the priesthood of the believers. I mean, at least once, I think twice this morning, I've already heard him say, man, I'm excited about this. Well, listen, you get a good dose of what we're talking about, and it's going to put some fire in your soul. That, that, that baller down in there, I mean, it's going to have some fire in it. You'll be excited whenever you realize, when you begin to realize what you get and what you got. The Bible says, whosoever, in fact, a bunch of times. You say, what does that word whosoever mean? Well, it just means nobody's left out. It just means everybody's included. You, you, you may have walked in here this morning, last week, week before. You may have walked in here and hardly a dime to your name. You're included. On the other hand, you may have walked in here like Nicodemus and you may have a pile of money in the bank somewhere. I, I want you to know money or, mo money or no money, you're included. You, you, in fact, if you've got money, it's not going to get you to heaven. You need a Savior. <laughs> and, and if you don't have anything, I mean nothing, you don't have a car, you don't have a house, I mean whatever. When the Bible says whosoever, that's exactly what it means means little boys and girls. means those who rode in in Cadillacs and those who rode in on the buses. means moms and dads, grandparents. You may, you may be way along advanced in years and have never made this happen. I mean, you've, never, you've not come to the point where you said yes to the Savior. There needs to come a point of decision. You know, I've made this run up through here a few times. Go back down to West Kentucky where I grew up. From Paducah, there's a bridge across to Metropolis, Illinois, crossing the uh, Tennessee River there. Go down just a little further, 
There's a bridge from Wycliffe that crosses over into Cairo. Another one that crosses over into Missouri. I make this run up through here towards Cincinnati. I've crossed that bridge getting over into Cincinnati any number of times. Crossing that bridge down at uh, Evansville and Henderson. You've been to one of those. You've been to some of them. Maybe been to all of them. Let me tell you, 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 can, you can drive up within sight of those bridges, park your car, get out, stand there, and look at it all day long. And you can say, that's a bridge. A lot of people, a lot of people would tell you, oh, oh, I believe in God. But they're still standing there looking at it. You might even say while you're standing there, look at that. Man, that thing is working. I mean, everybody that gets up on it, they're all getting across. Nobody falling in the river. I mean, you, you can spend your whole life watching other people get saved, watching other people walk with God, and, uh, and still you're just standing there because you haven't trusted the Savior. The deal with the bridge is you've you got, you got to get back in your car Put it in gear, drive up on the bridge, and when you get up and that, that, you're halfway across, you look down to the churning waters of the Ohio River and you realize that you didn't just believe about the bridge, but you actually trusted the bridge. And it kept you out of the water and kept you from drowning. That's pretty neat. And whenever you trust the Lord Jesus. I mean, you're not just saying, yeah, 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 I know, I know all those facts. I know what you're saying. I know that. But there needs to come a point. There needs to come a day. There needs to come a time. I mean, some of you drove cars in here this, this morning because there was a day when you didn't have wheels. But there came a day when you said, I like the green one. That's the one I want. And you signed your name, started making payments, whatever. And all at once you had wheels. Every one of you that own a home. There came a day, you shopped and shopped and shopped, there came a day when you said that one, and you signed up and you became a homeowner. In the similar fashion, there needs to be a day when you say, I, I gotta stop putting this off. I gotta stop just standing here and I've got to trust the Savior. That happened for me when I was a lad of a boy right at my ninth birthday down in Carlisle County the little farm, 100, 100 acre farm dad had at the end of a dirt road. Not gravel, dirt. But somebody came down that road talking about the Savior. And that day, listening to what they had to say, I raised the question. I said, what, what's that heaven stuff about? And they told me. Listen, I was, I was only a kid. I hadn't robbed any banks, but I knew I was a sinner. And I signed up and put my trust in the Savior that day. And if he'll take a little nobody like me, I have no doubts every word he said is true. He'll take you, he'll take, he'll take Simon Peter, he'll take Nathaniel, he'll take Nicodemus, and he'll take you. All right? He will. But you've got to trust him. You've got to stop leaning on yourself, leaning on your works, leaning on your baptism, leaning on your church, and trust only the Savior. And there needs to be a day for me, it was a Saturday morning in September when I signed up, put my trust in the Savior. You need a day as well. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. We're going to bow our heads. I'm going to pray briefly. Pastor will be here to extend the invitation further. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. 
and I want to pray. How many, how many of you this morning, you, you know you could be an Andrew. You'd like for me to pray that the Lord just use you to be an Andrew or be a Philip. You may be already doing it, but you just say, I, I, I want to, I want to. Slip your hand up for a second. God bless you, hundreds of you, hundreds of you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I wonder if there's some of you that would say, I'm, I'm in the spot where Simon was. I need somebody to tell me. I'm in the spot where Nathaniel was. I need somebody to tell me. Or you may be like Nicodemus, just, just a little bit frightened. But knowing that you need to hear from Jesus. In other words, you're not saved. And you'd slip your hand up and just say, pray for me. Pray for me. Wherever you are in the room, just slip your hand up for a second. I'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But I just want to pray for you. I look around the room. Look around the room. Yes, yes, I see you there. God bless you, folks. God bless you. Anyone else? I wonder if there's some of you this morning, you are saved already, you know you're saved, and you need to be in a good church. You've been thinking about, maybe even praying about, coming here and becoming a part of this Clays Mill Baptist Church. You'd say, pray for me. Pray for me. Slip your hand up. Let me see it. Pastor and I are looking. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand over here on the left. God bless you. Yes, and over here too. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Well, dear Lord, I do pray for these folks. <clears throat> I pray for the folks that have a, have a desire to be an Andrew. They have a desire to be a Philip. They have a desire to do what Jesus did and find their, their friends, their family, or somebody like Nicodemus and bring them to the Savior. I pray, Lord, give them the burden of their heart. Help them to get in here and dig in and be a part and start partnering with somebody maybe who's already good at it that will help them to learn what they need and give them courage in the doing of it. But dear Lord, I pray especially for those who are not saved, who know they need to be saved. And dear Lord, I pray that this morning, without any further to do, that they would simply walk to the front here and let one of our soul winners sit down with them and show them exactly what they need to do and how to do it. I pray for them this morning. And I pray for those who may be pondering membership. Lord, let this be the day when they say, hey, might as well get in, get on board, get things rolling. I pray to your Lord for every single person who's pondering decision. May this be the moment. May this be the morning when they'll decide. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name.